Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we've got a pretty special episode for you. We have Jerry Horton in studio. He is the guitarist for Papa Roach. He was swinging through town and uh, I went and picked him up and brought him over here this morning. And I'm actually glad that you even made it because I super jinxed you last night. Oh, totally. Like I felt really bad when I did it because I I texted him last night. I'm like, man, weather's going to be really bad. I hope you don't pull a Cliff Burton on your way here. (laughs) And for the people that don't know, Cliff Burton is the bassist or the deceased bassist for Metallica. And he was on his tour bus. And they were in like Norway or something like that. I think it was Switzerland or yeah, something somewhere like in the mountains. That. And the bus apparently hit some ice Uh-oh. and he fell out of the window. And the thing <laughs> is, is he, yeah. here's the thing is it was Kirk Hammett's bunk yeah. and he let Cliff take his spot. Oh, and Kirk Hammett's the lead guitarist. So he falls. So out it's of the one window. of these scenarios where it's like, had we not swapped? Yeah, he'd be, yep. it'd be a totally different story. So he falls out of the window, gets crushed by the bus. And James talks to the bus driver and the bus okay. driver's like, yeah, I found some ice on the road or whatever. And James Hetfield walks up and down this road barefoot in the snow looking for this ice and he never found it. So the thought is that the bus driver fell asleep. So last night I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, hey, man, you know, I hope you make it. I hope you don't die on your way here. And he's like, dude, you can't say things like that. So I apologize. No worries. But you're here and we're glad we made it. And it is your birthday. It is my birthday. Happy happy birthday, birthday, man. I'm glad you could spend your your birthday with us. So um, we're going to be getting into an interview with Jerry in a little bit. Um, yeah. So besides an awesome guitar player, you are a car guy. I am. So we have some really cool stories to get to that. Before we get into our segment, though, we have to mention our sponsor, Renline. We partner with them to offer an awesome discount. I actually just installed my new strut tower brace from them last night, Chris. And with all the products, it's extremely high quality and beautiful. went in just fine. Went in just fine. Does it have a bunch of speed holes in the? There are. It, well, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so it, it is the world's fastest strut bar. It is bar, an is extremely fast it's aerodynamic strut for when your your hood isn't on. Well, it matches my my blower cover which also has speed holes in it and wow. my battery lo- relocation kit i'm also a fan of them in it. they have so high quality at least stuff. one pound of aluminum with all those holes in i'm it. sure i did yeah, not to mention the battery is very small as we know yeah and regardless i'm still is- gonna have to jumpstart you this summer i cannot <laughs> wait it is gonna be awesome no so uh with that quality you know it's really illustrated by the fact that they guarantee every single product they create you can get Renline design performance parts for european car most notably, of course, Porsche. And they've been in business the past 20 years and in that time have developed over 6,000 products to meet the needs of both on the road or on the racetrack or just in my garage for right now because it's (laughs) snowing outside. Uh, As I've mentioned before, what really sets them apart is they aren't just another distributor. All their products are designed and engineered in-house right there in Vermont. So be sure to check them out on Renline.com and use the code OVERCREST2. That's OVERCREST followed by the number two, and that'll get you 5% off your next order, along with free shipping on overs over $250. Cool. I, uh, did I tell you I, I found a car? Uh, I don't know. Did you have a chance to listen to the episode yet? Yeah. yeah. So I've been look as everybody knows, I've been looking religiously for a car. Right. I have found one and I leave tomorrow. Okay. So the unsellable Tahoe is being traded in. So you are carless come this next week. I still have the unsellable Tahoe. I picked Jerry up in the unsellable Tahoe. (laughs) Okay. Very good. So that's going away this week. I'm losing uh, $1,000. That's not bad. Not That's bad. Thousand dollars just to get that thing yep. out of my life. <laughs> but here's the way that I have to look at it: is like I have, so I I bought a one series, 
for six thousand dollars. Okay. And that thing turned into a nightmare real fast. I did like that car. I though. did, but it had like vanos issues and the heat didn't work. And yeah. like and it was just like it was I'm a like, ticking oh, time bomb. It was a time bomb. So I traded that thing in and put and I paid cash for that. So I traded that in six thousand dollars in equity towards a TDI golf. Okay. And then I traded that oh, straight I up. I you the, had the golf for a minute. A minute. And it was making some ticking sound on the dash that I couldn't handle. <laughs> so I had to get rid of that. <laughs> also a literal time bomb because yeah, it's ticking. It ticking sound. Okay. So then I got rid of that. And now, and then I got the towel because I thought, man, I'm going to trade this thing in. They're giving me a great deal on this towel. Yeah. I'm going to be able to sell that thing. No problem. Right. Because it's like. <laughs> okay. So you had six grand from the one series into the golf. Did right. you. I mean, how does your money kind of flow so through I'm, this process? When I say I, I was I'm losing a thousand dollars, I'm actually losing like five thousand dollars. Okay. That's what I was wondering. So I thought I would Nothing's have some that equity simple. in the. I thought I would have the equity in the Tahoe, but I don't. And I, it sucks because that, that, you know, $5,000 is gone. Here's how you can look at that. They, you are being paid to not deal with the idiots on Craigslist. So how many idiots do you think you would have had to gone through to sell the Tahoe? Then divide that number into the 5,000. Basically, it's like, okay, Chris, you don't have to deal with this guy and I'll give me 20 bucks. You don't have to deal with them. That's fine. Right? Yeah. Think of it that way. Uh, that doesn't make me feel any better because $5,000 <laughs> is serious business. But so I'm leaving tomorrow morning. So um, you you picked out a car. I did. And it took me forever, as everybody knows from the recent episode. It didn't get any better. Okay. And for everybody that doesn't know this, we're recording on Sunday because Jerry's in town to uh, to play. And uh, so I, this is only two days after we recorded the other episode. And I have found a car, which is great. Even though in the last two days, I've contacted a million people. It is a 1990 whatever. I don't remember. 1998, I think. Okay. C43 AMG. So this is a Mercedes oh. sedan. Yeah, it's kind of like the rare. It's a rare bird. They only made like 1500 of them or something like okay. that. Plus or minus whatever it is for those that are picky about stats. Um, and it's a 300 horsepower okay. V8 limited slip. It's white, right? Which oh. is super rare. And it's got the two tone black and the gray interior leather. Interior is interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I like it or not. It's interesting. It's 90s. Well, what I don't like, the seats are cool. They have the white insert and the leather bolsters, bolsters right? But the steering wheel is, is black with a white section on top. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. No, it's in. But it's dirty, too. I mean, it'll look good, hopefully, when you clean it up. The but car or the steering, the steering wheel? wheel? I noticed I, there's I like will all probably the just get, I would like to find an old AMG steering wheel like oh, AMG just Hammer replace it. from like an older oh, AMG yeah. and, uh, and put that on there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't need to, airbags. I have to give you a little shit for this car because I think, I mean, I know it's an AMG, but it's an automatic. It's a white grandpa car from the 90s. That's what it is in my mind. So I imagine. So I was having a conversation with somebody and no car is cool when you buy it off the lot. Okay. Because it hasn't earned any kind of credibility whatsoever. So the fact that it was like a psychiatrist or a school superintendent that would have been the original owner of that right. car doesn't matter because now it's long gone. All that stuff is gone. So all that's left with that car is a legacy that it has. And the legacy that it has is it is the first car that AMG built with Mercedes together. Okay. So it's got cool. some cool pedigree to it. It's got the V8 engine. Um, so here's the deal with when you have like a Mercedes they're all automatic. And the ones that are manual, it's terrible. The The manual transmission, on the old good. 190E, it's like a dog leg weird. It's not a good transmission. Okay. Okay. They're not great. But I, I can own an automatic Mercedes. I can. I cannot own an automatic 
anything else. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I I'm, feel like yeah. I'm okay with it with the Mercedes. Okay. And, you know, and I have the 911. It's for when I want right. to shift through the gears and stuff like that. So having like a, a torque converter, 300 horsepower V8, Autobahn, you know, monster, basically what it was at the time. Is this, I think it'll be cool. It's going to be a solid And it has car. a limited slip. So it should be able to do like, I've seen all kinds of videos online of guys <laughs> doing huge burnouts. That's and, part uh, of your buying process is yeah, watching burnout course. videos. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when I bought it from the guy, he sent me, he's like, okay, I'm a little embarrassed about this. Cause once he saw my name, he realized like, oh, I know you are. I've seen Jalopnik, okay. blah, blah, blah. And, uh, He's like, yeah, I got a video of myself reviewing the car. And he's like a young kid. So he's like driving the car around, telling everybody why he likes it and stuff okay. like that. And he's got like, he's super young. And I saw like a picture of him and he's got like a bow tie on and stuff like that. It's, That's cool. Well, like, I mean, honestly, it's better to see like that, is exactly that video and the guy cares about it. It's way better than seeing like the other guys that I think own this car, which was like some dude like snorting like crack off the dashboard, <laughs> which is what it's, this is what it seemed like for everybody else that owned this car is like some <laughs> drug dealer like i don't know man the sure people, i've been through four or five people talking about these cars with them yeah they're all scumbags really and the cars are all destroyed with over two, this one's only got one hundred twenty-five thousand miles on it okay wow. so there's room for me to drive it yep. for a year and still sell it and have it be like kind of mid miles over a hundred thousand but less than 150 yeah. so sure. it's not going to be a struggle to sell because once you get over one hundred fifty thousand miles everything is a pain right yeah. it's all hard to sell nobody's everybody's like oh high miles right and it's that white is pretty rare. Well, there you go. So, you know what you can do when you're done with it? Because my question was going to be how long you're actually going to hang on to this thing. We'll see. <laughs> but when you're done with it, put it on Bring a Trailer. Yes. There you go. Right? Yeah. Get more money than it's actually worth. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Run a buffer over it. and I like it. And then uh, put it up there. And I'll write like a nice article about how Mace. I thought maybe I'd write an article about flying out there, getting it, driving it sure. back. I'm going to go through. Maybe you'll get stuck by a beaver dam again, a la the, the white 911 that you had. Oh, and no. in a thunderstorm. So I'm driving across. When I come home uh tomorrow i'm going to be well first i'm going to stop and see the guys at triple zero go hang out with pete stout and we're going to go for a drive up Very in cool. uh over the golden gate bridge up and i think it's marin county i'm okay. not really familiar with what's north of san francisco but we're going to go for a drive over there and then i'm going to drive home uh across highway 50 okay which, so is which that runs across nevada it's the loneliest highway in the country and you've driven that before. I have not. You have not. I've okay. driven other roads in there uh, in Nevada, but not that one. So I'm really excited to. It only adds an hour to yeah. drive that oh. way instead of driving yeah, yeah. on the interstate. You'll go by Lake Tahoe and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Hopefully, I don't need snow chains or something. Is it? Is there snow up there? <laughs> it's been pretty bad lately. In the fe- in the month of February, they got 25 feet of snow. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say inches. I'm like, yeah, no, no yeah, we can do no. 25 feet of snow. Well, hopefully yeah. they have it cleared off by the time. I, yeah. I think how so. are the tires on that thing? He says there's new tires on the front. The thing is, is I'm going to get before I go, I'm getting because he lowered it. So I'm going to get it has H&R Sports Pranks. OK. And new Bilstein struts. Cool. Great. Sorry, loader. I don't have to do it. Um, I'm going to get an alignment. I'm going to get an oil change. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that's all I'll do. An alignment and oil change before I come home. And, on and you'll stop by the auto parts store and buy every cleaner they have because you before you even drive something home. That's true. You sanitize the I interior. Do. Yeah, hey. I'm like Windex. Like I, I, I definitely uh, <laughs> I would be that way, too. Yeah. For me, if you pick up, a, you know, a used car like that and drive it home because I've done that twice, not as much as you have. But that's how you get to know the owner is you're like, what's what's in the glove box? What's all this crap? What was he doing? I don't want to know the no. owner. I just know. No, that's you do that's that when you move into a house. You move into a house and be like, yeah, I'm just going to leave it. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I suppose not. I spend a lot of time in my car. Yeah. So 
just as much. No, as I'm not saying I wouldn't clean it, but I'd wait till I get home. I got a 35 hours. I'm going to be in this thing. Yeah. I want it to be the least amount of other people that's possible. <laughs> and I'm the eighth owner. Yeah. So there's plenty of there's plenty, plenty of, of you know, what I don't like is, you know, like on the wiper stocks, that brown stuff that kind of just like starts to like pile like, up. Yeah. You got to yeah. scrape it off. Yep. <laughs> that's I got to get rid of people's that. skin. I know. Just coming mm. off. That's like when you sell a car to somebody, get rid of all that stuff. Yeah. Honestly, when I sell a car, yeah. like I sanitize it myself before I yeah. even give it to them. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, worth your while too. You know what I mean? Because you should be able to get a little bit more showing that the car is that's clean, exactly it. it's in better shape. You know, when I talk to uh, Helton, who's my salesman over at Westside, the biggest mistake people make is they bring the car in and they don't clean the interior. They watch the exterior, yeah. but they don't clean the interior. And he always says, the interior is you. The exterior is the yeah. elements. Yeah. So I can look at the interior of your car and know how well you took care of this thing. Sure. So it's like. Yeah, I feel like I could make a living buying cars on Craigslist, vacuuming them out and like reselling them. You're probably not wrong. Yeah, it would be pretty easy. That reminds me of a story and I'll make it quick here. But my one of my family friends, he had a duplex that he rented out years and years ago. And his trick was when someone would come, this was before the Internet or online, email, anything else. So we'd get paper applications. You'd show up, fill out the application. While they're filling out the application, he would go, oh, I I need to go outside and grab something. And he would look at their car. He'd study the interior of their car. And that's how Mm. he always decided who could rent his place. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it makes sense. That's yeah. a pretty good way of looking at it, I imagine, because the way you keep your car is exactly. Although the thing is, is what if your wife is like really good at keeping house? OK, but your car is a disaster. Maybe she has a different car. Well, I know it's not a foolproof plan, but I liked that. I do. I like I like the advice. So before we get into uh, our interview with Jerry, mm-hmm. I want to mention Patreon.com. Absolutely. You can head over there. Patreon.com slash Overcrest. Only five or ten bucks a month. You get a T-shirt and you get exclusive content from us every month. It's really easy. There's a Patreon.com app. You get all the episodes early. Yes, um, it's you know, you can if you what depending on what kind of app you have, you can actually plug that RSS feed into your app okay. for podcasts. Oh, so you just get an extra episode you right just there. Get an episode right there. Every time it gets pushed out to your, yeah. to your phone, just like iTunes, everything else. It's really, really easy to use. Head on over to patreon.com slash overcrest. Right. And this month you can hear the exclusive episode about a secret Colombian racer. Yeah, that's the one that's out right now. And what was the one before that that we before did? Before that was the uh, the racing fuel you'd never heard of. That's hydrazine. right. Yeah, that's right. So we've got two episodes now. In a couple of weeks, we'll have three. So... I think once we have three, I think everybody should be on board. There's no reason not to. There's no reason not to. Plus, you get to support the show, support us, keep the lights on. We got to pay some rent over here after all. So uh, speaking of which, you owe me rent. I do. (laughs) Do I know. I forget. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll pay you. Anyways, with that. (laughs) No problem. So um, I want to get in a little bit of before we talk about, you know, um, some of the cars that you own now and where you are now. I want to find out a little bit what your childhood was like. Where'd you grow up? So, uh, I was born in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. We lived there for a few years, but then my dad got back in the military and with that, and then we got stationed out at, uh, Travis Air Force Base in Cal in Northern California. And we were there for basically until I graduated high school. Okay. And so, which is not normal for a military family, like yeah, to be, yeah, to be in one place. So, um, yeah, I grew up, basically grew up in California and, um, my, my dad was, was always into cars and what, what was the, what's your first car memory with your dad? Um, he, he, he built a, a butt, basically built a bug from the frame up in a carport of our, of our house on base. And, uh, he would, he would drag race it and, you know, he would 
take down Camaros and Mustangs and, yeah. and, uh, I saw pictures of this thing. The engine looked pretty hot. Like yeah. Dual car 1800. I mean, yeah. that must've been a good feeling to head out there in a beetle back in the day, which you got to imagine like a beetle back in the day versus like hot rods and stuff. People right. must've been like, Oh, it's stupid German, totally. German shit pile. That's why people love hot rodding those. Yeah. yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. Right. So yeah. And I got to ride, I got to ride in it on a couple of runs. So, which was, that's kind of where yeah. it was planted for you then, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what were you seeing in that, in that time of being a kid in California and stuff was, was the car culture anything like it is today Were there other cool cars driving around or was it much more subtle? It was a lot more subtle, uh, mostly, especially where we lived. I mean, it was just like, you know, you couldn't drive more than 20 miles an hour on the base and it was just like, everybody had a regular car. I mean, for a while, my dad even had a Pinto that he bought for like $250 just, just <laughs> so to, from somebody that didn't want to die so sold it for 250 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, with that, we also went to, to, um, VW meets and, and that kind of stuff. And, and so we got out to, to, to the events and, and, uh, got to, you know, see some cool stuff, but it wasn't like where we lived. It wasn't a huge thing. Sure. Um, what was the, uh, what was your first car and how did you come upon that car? So, uh, my, my first, so before I got my license, my dad, we, we talked and, and he said, so do you want something that something older that we can kind of wrench on or do you want something newer that might be a little more reliable? And I thought it'd be cool to wrench, you know, like let's get something older. And, and, uh, so he, he looked and looked for a little while and he, and he said, okay, I found this, uh, 63 Nova. Uh, okay. And maybe it, it's got a 383 in it and yeah, it'd be go. cool, you know? And I'm thinking, yeah, cool. And then a week later he goes, uh, I don't think that's what I, what we want to do. And I'm going, wait, no, we were, we were decided it was, it was going to happen. And he goes, nah. So just, you were thinking about this for a week. You're yeah. like, I'm getting this yeah. car. This is it. This yeah. is the one. It's going to be great. I'm going to pick some chicks in this thing. It's yeah. going to be great. No, <laughs> no. Nah, he goes, that's just too much power for you. And I'm like, no. And then <laughs> of course, amount of power. yeah. And then of course it really was, you know, yeah. cause oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he was not wrong. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he got me an, an 87 Mustang four cylinder. Oh no. Yeah. Was it the SHO? No, no, okay. come on. no, there was nothing, <laughs> uh, souped up about it. Okay. Front wheel drive. Automatic or man? Automatic. Oh no. Yeah. That's awful. It was the worst, <laughs> but I wrecked, I got in five accidents in that car. Oh my wow. God. Uh, so, you so know, he was probably right. He was right. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. I drove the crap out of that thing and it was just like, you know, that's a terrible car to breed enthusiasm though. Or maybe it's not, maybe it gives you like, Hey, I got to get something better than this. Totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially whatever your dad had at the time too. And you're thinking, well, he, he kind of put the car thing on hold for okay. a while for the family kind of stuff. I gotcha. You know? But, um, yeah. Hence the Pinto. And, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. What were you driving when you, uh, when you started getting into the Papa Roach thing, what were you driving then? What year was that? So we blew up in 2000 and right after that, uh, the, my first car that I bought was a, a Viper. Wait, wait, wait. What was when you met the guys from Papa Roach and you right. started getting oh, into the band, what were you driving? Then? I was driving the Mustang. You were? Yes. Okay. Really? Yeah. 
So were you, uh, I, I remember when I was, you know, playing guitar as a, as a young man and stuff like that, you had to pile all your shit into your yep. car. Yep. That's not an easy car to, to be a guitarist well, in. It was a hatchback. Okay. At least you had that. So I could fit a 412 cabinet in the back of that thing. There you go. <laughs> Put the seats down, 412 in the back. So you're driving that, driving that around. I remember I, I told you this story of when, I, when I was young playing guitar with my buddies and stuff, we had a, um, I, like a, like a panel van, like an old UPS truck oh, or something yeah. like that. And it had like the sliding door on the side. And, uh, in my mind, looking back, it was, it was pretty small, but it was probably smaller now in reality and everything in your memory is always bigger than it actually was. Sure. Right? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's not a statement I got from my uh, wife. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, so what my buddies would do is I had my best friend, Steve, who lived like two houses down and there was me and there was a guy we had named Kyle who would play bass. And we had another dude, I can't remember his name, that he, he would play drums. He had like the world's shittiest drum set. I mean, it was <laughs> such a pile. It was like one kick drum and like a snare and one tom and like a broken cymbal. It was terrible. It was <laughs> so the he worst. Was, he was limited on his Thank God, his because he was terrible. <laughs> anyway, so he would, so we would drag all this shit across the yard, like a hundred yards into the woods where this van was. And we had naked ladies all over the wall. And we would cram like, I had a, an old custom like K-U-S-T-O-M oh, yeah. was, a st and it had like the, it was like, uh, had the, it was tuck puffy. and roll, tuck, tuck and roll. And roll. Yeah, yeah, it was tuck and roll puffy oh, on the side. Vinyl. And, and I had this and, and it was huge. It had this big white horn on, it was taller than me. And we're, and my buddy, I don't remember what he had for, uh, for an amp. I don't remember anymore, but we would jam all this stuff in this little metal box. Okay. And just jam. Oh, so this wasn't your transport. No. This is literally your practice <laughs> studio. It was our practice. This thing did not run. <laughs> okay, so, I got you now. And I am surprised I can still hear anything. No of this kidding. Thing. And every time I would go to turn that amp on and off, it would shock me like crazy. <laughs> like, Wham! And it would be totally safe. Totally safe. Oh, yeah. totally yeah. safe. And these things. Imagine how long the extension cord was that we had run out from the garage, oh, man. like a hundred yards of extension cord, like every right. extension cord. My grandpa, where are my extension cords? <laughs> <laughs> They're like all out me. I remember one time you ran over them with the lawnmower. And, oh, it was so bad. Uh, but my grandma once, uh -huh. being grandma, brought us food. Oh, nice. Okay. She opens the sliding door, uh -oh. steps up oh, into the van, no. and she just, I know that she saw <laughs> all the boobs <laughs> all over the wall. And we're like, and, and, and the guitar's like, because we're not playing anymore. I'm all like super like freaked out that my grandma came in and, but she never said anything. Good grandma. She never said anything. And then one day the van was gone. Huh. You know, that was, that was after we ended up moving to my buddy's basement to play in. Cause that honestly was like searingly bad to play in that wow. metal box. But we thought it would be cool. It was like yeah. our fort and it was just, it yeah. was just the worst. So anyway, that, that's, that's my, I my, love it. <laughs> I, I thought a bedroom was small enough, you know, for <laughs> practicing, but that's like back to a successful musician <laughs> after hey, that story. Yeah. All my everything hey. I owned got stolen out of a storage unit. Oh, did all, it really? Every, all the guitar stuff, everything I owned. So I quit. That was it. Otherwise, Stop. you could have been you never the next know. Papa Roach. You never know. Hey, everybody sucks at some point. That's right. And we it. definitely sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was 2000 when Last Resort came out. Yeah. So that was when you hit all the charts, you yep. made it big. Yep. It was like right place, right time with that album, when yeah. that album came out. Um, so you were, what were you driving when, when you guys, when you, before let, the let record, me, let me, let me phrase it this way. Okay. As you're, you didn't drive the Mustang for 10 years, obviously. No. So as you're starting to be like, okay, this is like, we're starting to play some shows. We're filling up the small venues. People know it was none of that. I mean, we had a band fund 
And we would take the money that we got from shows, which was like, you know, a hundred, two hundred dollars a show. And we put it in the band fund so we could either record or get t-shirts or, or stuff like that. So we kept everything separate and we didn't like take any money. Right. We still all had jobs. Okay. So did you kind of make it suddenly? Was it pretty? Yeah, kind of. Well, we call it a seven year overnight success, but <laughs> uh, we, we would do like, we, we got pretty big locally and then we started going, doing shows down in LA. We would do free Monday nights at the Troubadour. And then we met up with uh, these guys, uh, this band Alien Ant Farm, mm-hmm. uh, and we would trade shows. So we would, you know, support them down in Riverside is where they're from. And then they would come up and support us in our sure. hometown. And, and we kind of did that back and forth. And then doing the free Monday nights is where we got start, started to get like labeled attention and stuff. But so when you once that attention started to come, did like being a guy that's always been into cars, we were like, okay, like maybe this is going to happen. What, what kind of car were you thinking about at that time? What was the dream? The dream car was a Viper at that point. You know, it was like, uh, that was, you know, besides the Lamborghini and, you know, the, the Ferrari, it was, that was the, the American supercar. And, and it was like back to basics and, you know, you know, kind of evoking that, that thing about the, the Cobra. Right. And, you know, it was just, and it obviously it wasn't like way out of way ridiculously out of anybody's price range that, uh, you know, a Ferrari at the time would be. Right. Um, so that was it, you know, as, as, as big as, as somebody like me dreams, I still kind of have some sort of a practical side to it a little bit. My wife would probably say differently, but, uh, yeah, in your mind, in my mind, it it totally makes sense. (laughs) So, I mean, so 2000, that was still the first gen Viper, right? That was gen two. That was gen. Uh, Okay. Uh, the start of gen two was 97. Okay. And so that's the 500 horsepower five liter, isn't it? Uh, no, it was 450 horsepower, 500 pound feet of torque. Okay. Yep. And an eight liter. Jesus, that's a lot I of leaders. I forgot it was that big. Yeah, four four hundred eighty eight cubic. I, I, I forgot it, it was that. big. I always think of it as of how many uh, two liter bottles of soda that is. Totally. Like you, so you put four <laughs> two <laughs> liters of Mountain Dew on the table. That's the displacement that's a lot we're of talking about. That yeah. is that is that is crazy. So what was it like when you finally felt like you were going to make it after you know being a seven year overnight success, as you would say? Was it just like? What was that feeling like when it finally clicked that it was going to happen? So when we start, when we put the record out, we were still in a van on tour and it was like, we were doing clubs and we were, you know, out supporting the record. And really in our minds, we thought we would, you know, sort of build it, you know, like most bands do, like they get out on tour and they play some clubs and then the next time they play bigger clubs and theaters and blah, blah, blah. So we did the club thing for a while and, and then our first big tour was warp tour. Hmm. And so we start, when we started that tour, we were on the third stage and the record had come out in, um, April and last resort, you know, started to really take hold. And, and we went from playing the third stage to within two weeks of starting that tour, we were headlining along with Green Day. And so Noah, they literally and changed your stage. Yeah. Because, tour. because when we, on the third stage, the, the capacity of the place 
where the third stage was just wasn't big enough. People were and climbing all over each it, other. It was just, yeah, it was mayhem. So they were like, oh, we got to move them. So you up there playing like Viper, Viper, Viper. Viper. <laughs> like, like how long did it take to move from third stage to main stage to the Viper dealership? It was like, about, you know, three days. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us about picking up the Viper work. So actually uh, in, in doing that, I, I was doing a lot of research and getting on the forums and that kind of stuff. And I, I found that a lot of people were just ordering from this, there's this one dealership in Nebraska called Woodhouse and they're the largest, uh, dealer that they, they get the most allocations. And so I basically just called them up and said, this is what I want. And they said, okay, I'll, we'll get you. And they, they actually got, they moved me up a little bit. And I, I weighed, I actually waited a little bit because I wanted, uh, in 2001, they, I didn't really like the colors that they had. And also they didn't have ABS and 2002 was the first year. No ABS. Yeah. Like 2000, 2000 monster. Good God. So I waited until 2002 year and uh, that that was the one with ABS. That's crazy. What what color was it? I have to picture this. It was a graphite gray. Okay. Okay. Stripes Uh, or no, no stripes. Okay. All right. All right. So do you, uh, so you buy the Viper did, did it get shipped out to it California? It got shipped out to LA, yeah. So did it? were you there when it came off the trailer? Was it everything you hoped and dreamed it would be? <laughs> I was on tour at the time. No. Yeah. So I... Uh, so you're still up on the stage going, Viper, Viper, yeah, Viper. It's there. <laughs> you can't even stop thinking it's about there, it. But I can't see it. Uh, he, the guy, uh, my buddy uh, who held it for me, uh, sent me pictures of it coming off the truck and, you know, it's still wrapped and, you know, and, all, and the protective film and all that. And, uh, we, uh, finally got home and it was just like mind blown, just you like started up and start. Hear it. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, the crappy thing about it was that, it, you know, I had to do the break in period and oh, oh yeah, it was just, it was very <laughs> like strict, like, you know, only up to 2000 RPM and you have to vary the RPM. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's something they should do at the factory on a dyno or something <laughs> for something like a Viper or like a GT three or anything like that. Cause when you buy one of those, you. totally. you're going to want to get in it and yeah. go. I yeah. remember when I, I was behind my buddy Lewis who has a nine, nine six GT three. Uh-huh. And I think the other guy's name it, it's, it's escaping me right now, but he had a, uh, a nine, 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 two. Or a 997 GT3. It might have been a 997. I don't remember, but it was brand new. Must have been. It was about four years ago. So 997.2. Uh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, so Lewis is to the left. They're right. You know, I'm in my 911. And this guy in this other car is to the right. Yep. And they take off. And Lewis pulls on him. Okay. And I'm like right on this thing's ass. I'm like, yes, <laughs> my car rules. This is the, this is amazing. <laughs> and then I talked to me. It's like, yeah, this, this the computer won't let me do anything else. It's still breaking in. <laughs> what? So I'm just like humiliated. Like, <laughs> I didn't tell him how excited I was. But right. I'm like, this thing's only revving out to 4,000 RPMs and I can barely keep up with right. it. It's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a bummer for me knowing how much faster that was. So you eventually moved on and now you have a, you have a 997. Yes. So how did you go from a Viper to a 997? Was there like some sort of realization with the Viper where you're like, Adam ah, is maybe this hopes and dreams is not exactly what I was dreaming. So 
I, I had the Viper for like, I think it was about eight years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So okay. it was, you know, I, I loved it. Um, <laughs> I had to get rid of it because I have another car that is a, was a project, yeah. still is a project. We will be getting into that. That's a, uh, was it a 53? 51. 51 Mercury. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So the wife said, uh, pick one. She's not wrong. She wasn't wrong. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so I, I sold it and, uh, you know, I didn't have a car for a little while. Well, I had a car, but not, not a, a fun, fun not a fun car. Um, and yeah, when I had the Viper, you know, Carrera 911s just didn't really do it for me. I didn't get it. What you know, was your image of the 911 at the time? My image of any non GT or turbo was it's kind of girly. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, obviously it's finesse, right? It's, it's totally finesse. finesse versus muscle. Well, and, and you know, when you talk about these cars, it really comes down to driving at the limit. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, the way I see it, you know, a lot of people just sort of see this, th the image of the car as it, as it sits or, you know, on the street or whatever. But cars take on a completely different personality when you actually drive them on a track or, or, you know, on the back roads or whatever. So, um, my image of the Carrera was just kind of, it Part seemed kind of, mall. it seemed kind of pedestrian to me, you yeah. know, at the time. And, um, you know, I was just more into the, like the look and, you know, the sound and whatever of the big, the, the big engine, the big muscle car or the right. big, you know, Ferrari, it's that sort of thing that kind of punches you in the face. Um, and then, you know, being on tour and, and, you know, being able to see, you know, different, uh, different cars in different countries and, and, and all that. And, you know, it led me to the, the Porsche museum in Stuttgart. So you and, just had a night, a day off in, in Stuttgart where mm -hmm. you were playing. You're like, oh, I might as well just go check out this museum. Uh, you know, I had a couple of buddies who were, or were, are still 911 guys and, you know, they talk, talk, talk it up and, and I'm kind of like, they ah, beat okay, you down, all right. You know? <laughs> and so I, I went, we tend to do that. Don't we? Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you did it to me. Actually, you wore me down. So, so I went and, you know, start kind of learned everything about the whole history and the racing history and, and how fanatic they were about everything, you know, materials and Had you driven one at that point? I had, I had driven one, I had driven a 996 and, you know, at just a Carrera. Really only a Carrera. Yeah. And, and really only in a straight line. And, you know, I was surprised about how much torque it had uh, or, or what felt like torque to me because, you know, they're 300 pounds lighter than, the Viper and less than half the displacement. Totally. Really, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was surprised by that, but at that time it didn't really do a lot for me. And so I just kind of like, you know, I passed it off and, and then, you know, this was, you know, 2002, 2003 when I drove one and, you know, go five years later, I, I go and, and to the Porsche museum and, and just get blown away. I got, I got blown away. Like, yeah. it, so it, it really kind of took hold of me and, and dr I drove, uh, after that I drove another friends, uh, he had a nine, nine, six S that I drove and, and I actually got to take it up. It, this was in LA. I got to take it up, uh, in the canyons and have some fun with it. And you know, that it, that, 
sold me. And then, uh, he had, then not too long after that, he got a nine, nine one and that, I mean, <laughs> it was a completely different experience yeah, from, yeah, for sure. From a nine, nine six, uh, it was, uh, you know, in, insanely fast. Uh, but just, it, it, it brought me around basically. Yeah. And, and so the, the Viper is gone at this point, right? Totally gone. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. Cause you're building this Mercury. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, <laughs> uh, why, why did you buy that car? Why were you looking at that type of car? Cause we're looking when, uh, I think I, did I send you some photos of it? You did. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the, if you imagine, um, it's the lead sled, the style, lead sled, right? Yeah. Totally lead, yeah. Mercury lead sled. And it's, it's purple. And what drew you to that car specifically? I didn't have that color in mind when I bought one, but, uh, the, the first thing that, that hinted me to that culture or that car was <laughs> the, the, the movie Cobra. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is a really bad movie. Totally. Bad. But it is the grocery store scene. <laughs> yeah. In that movie is so it's with Sylvester Stallone. Okay. And he's got, I love his sunglasses yep. in that movie because he's they're fully chromoly sunglasses. You can't see his face. He's got a little cigarette hanging out of his mouth, leather coat, black stubble. Like what year is this movie? Oh. 80, 80, yeah, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, yeah. It's it's good. But the the car that he had that he rolls around in that is it's it's a 49 Mercury. Okay. And uh, you know, it was, it, it was completely different than mine. It was like souped up and you know, he's doing burnouts everywhere. And but it's got the chop roof, it's got the yeah, look. Yeah. yeah. Uh and it it, it was it, I was like what 12. 13 maybe. So it was, I was super impressionable at that time. And then, yeah. and then not long after that, um, well, besides that, uh, you know, ZZ top was like, mm. the, you know, Billy Gibbons super hot rod guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And For so sure. he, you know, he they had, one. they had the, the red eliminator, uh, the 34 in the, in the front forward the in the, videos, in the videos. And, yep. and then, and I think it was 89. He, they, uh, unveiled the Cadzilla. Yeah. That car. Where is that car now? It's at the Peterson. It is. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing, seeing it, but I couldn't remember where I saw it. So this car, if you can imagine it's a, it's a 48 based on a 48 Cadillac. Okay. But this was one of the first cars that this, it was built at uh Boyd Coddington's. I was just going to say, yeah. And they, this was like when CNC was, you know, cutting edge technology. Sure. And so they, they did 22 inch CNC wheels that looked like hubcaps. And so it was just, it's super exaggerated proportions and it was based on a 48 Cadillac, but I think they said something like 5% of the car is 48 <laughs> Cadillac. This is the rest is just, good. the rest is just completely custom, uh, everything. Um, and that car just hit me in the face. Like, I was just like, Oh I want to do something like that. You had already had that, the inception of that seed planted in your mind from seeing Cobra back in the day. Yep. So when this car came around and you saw it again, it, it just must it have just like ignited me, that yeah, again. Hit me in the face. It's like, oh, I want to do something <laughs> like that, you know? And then, you know, with the customs, it's, you know, it's all about the the style and, and the, you know, sort of the personal, putting your personal twist on things. And uh, I really kind of, being the obsessive, you know, person that I am with that, I really delved into the whole culture and, and trying to learn, tried to learn as much as I could about, you know, the, con the construction of how, you know, how they built these things and, 
who the, the guys were that really kind of made the a name for themselves and what the, which certain cars really, uh, got the attention. And there, there was, there was a few that, uh, I kind of, I gravitated towards and, and that those cars kind of became the inspiration for the car that I have. So why don't you talk about buying that car? Yeah. So pretty interesting story the, from what I can tell. The buying process was, it was a little bit, uh, uh, the process while I was do, in it was, it was, you know, I didn't really know a lot about, and you were emotional about it. I was, I was kind of emotional. I had, I had some cash in my pocket, uh, you know, cause you'd sold the Viper. No, you, you still well, this had was, no. So it's okay. So timeline, uh, I actually, I, so I bought the Viper and I want to say probably within a year bought this other car. Okay. So I was like, at that point in, you know, so you were foreshadowing a little bit earlier when your wife said you have to choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that happened, there. that happened like eight years of owning the Viper. It was like, okay. and, and, and this was a, to preface this whole thing, the project, the Mercury project is probably a 12 to 13 year project. Wow. Okay. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a <laughs> we'll get sense, into why <laughs> sense of, of, and we'll post some pictures on social media for people that want to see what it is. We'll do, we'll do a little gallery so you can see what we're talking about. Yeah. So at the time I, I didn't really know a lot about the customs and, and so I, I brought a buddy of mine with me to go look at this car and it was, you know, it was parked out on the street. Um, I didn't, I had a certain um, a dollar amount that I wanted to spend and I went and checked it out. It was, a, it was all like, you know, on the ground and, um, the interior was a little bit of an 80s style and it wasn't really the, the best for me, but I could, I've thought, okay, I could put up with this for a couple of years and then maybe redo it or whatever. Sure. So, so it wasn't ever meant to be like this complete restoration thing to begin with. You wanted mm, to just drive the car. I wanted to drive the car. You know, it was a cool thing, uh, you know, and I could sort of finesse some things and, and change some things down the road. Right. Sure. Right. What actually happened? So <laughs> I bought the car, uh, stored it at my buddy's house because I was going on tour again, uh, came back and um, we went out in the car. It, uh, it was myself, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, my buddy and his girl. And we all went out, uh, and we drove it down uh, sunset and of course it was a awesome experience. Great. You know, because we were going down sunset and these guys, you know, these like guys in their Bentleys, you know, uh, were just like pointing at the car going, Oh, cool. You know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And we're like, yeah, cool, it's like right? a universally cool car. Absolutely. It it, to me, it's one of those cars that like you could have and you can have a bunch of money in, in one of them and you know, people won't look at you like, ugh. you know, it's like not pretentious. somebody, yeah, it's not pretentious at all. Like somebody in a, in a Lamborghini and people will like yeah. look at you like, Make a ugh, yeah. and whatever. So we're, we're driving down uh, sunset and we, we get to, uh, get to the stoplight and the car dies oh, no. and, and I'm going, okay. So I figure out it's the battery. You must've had one of those small batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you say that. <laughs> uh, so I pull over, uh, you know, pull out the battery, put, put it in. And then I find out, well, I didn't find out the car was on hydraulics, oh. right? 
with one battery. Apparently, I you need like four or five. Yeah, that's a huge draw. Okay. This is something that I didn't know. Right. So, and ironically, it was right in front of the laugh factory. So we, uh, we get back in the car, go back, drive, drive it back and, uh, and decide that I want to put airbags on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So go out on tour, talk to this guy and he recommends this, you know, shop or whatever. The guy that I send it to, it takes the tour thing is kind of cool. It's like your project time, like yeah. you're away from the car and it's like our winter where we yeah. work on our cars cause yeah. we can't drive them. That's like, yeah, it's tour time. I like it's, that. I mean, and, and that's part of the reason that this took this long is because I'm out on tour and I'm not, I don't need to drive it or, yeah, you right. know, how many months at a time are you out on tour usually? Um, I mean, if you, so usually we do like six weeks and then have two weeks to sure. a month off six weeks gotcha. and this goes like, you know, for a cycle, we'll go generally about eight and a half months out of the year. Yeah. So you're gone for a while. Long. Yeah. yeah. So this guy, you're getting a ride installed while you're gone. So it takes him about two years to not really do a lot. <laughs> and so I finally just go, all right, I'm out. Yeah. And, and in this process, you know, he's, he calls me and says, well, the fender skirts are welded on hmm. and I'm going, uh, so he goes, so if you need to change a tire, <laughs> you're going to have to drop the axle. Oh, wow. And the car is, you know, it's painted. So I'm thinking, ugh, I guess cut the skirts. Oh, no. And then. Wait, so they, they put the wheels and tires on the car and then welded the skirts on? Yeah. Holy crap. Like, that's like, come on, it man. Get, it, gets <laughs> it gets deeper. So we, I take it out of there, right? After this, well, <laughs> I got to back up. So the fender skirts, he cuts the fender skirts. So, and at this time, this is like when big, big wheels are coming in to fashion and, and yeah. I'm thinking, okay, I want to get big wheels. And, and then I realized that it, the big wheels aren't going to go along with the side, the lake pipes and the spotlights and, and all that. So I tell them, take all that stuff off. Yep. Hmm. Simplify. So that leaves holes and <laughs> you know, yeah, you got to fill the holes. Yeah. So you know, one thing after another, and then he's not really doing a lot. And so I take it out and send it to this other guy. And this other guy gets it. Uh, this It's a shop called Bio Customs. And, you know, he, Max, uh, who owns the place, calls me up and says, all right, so what are we doing? <laughs> I said, well, what do you think? And he goes, well, it's going to be almost impossible to match this paint, you know. I said, okay. It's like some custom house of color paint. This it was like, it was out. like a brandy wine, something with ghost flames. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, strip it. So he strips the car and he finds some Bondo. Okay. Some? Some. <laughs> uh, he said it was plate size areas on. The and you're making a motion with your hand up a plate that would fit a turkey. Yeah, I guess <laughs> right it would more, it would be yeah. more like a platter. A platter. Yeah. 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 Uh, on each side of the roof uh, on the C pillars and then the taillights. And so he starts sanding and doesn't come to the bottom. And then he starts <laughs> chipping, with you know, a with a chisel and that he doesn't get to it. And then he starts taking a hammer and just pounding on it. And finally, he just said he had to cut the sections out because they were so badly pitted that he couldn't even 
repair anything. So he had to cut sections out. Uh, from and, the pictures that you showed me, I'm looking at inches thick. Yeah, Bondo. the Bondo on some areas was maybe inch and a half, two yeah. inches. Yeah. So, and, and but it, for me, for, to be fair, it was like a to be able to do Bondo like that. It was a work of art. Some was, guy was like a like so just a Bondo. when you sent me that photo. It looked like the way I thought of it is they sculpted the car Absolutely. out of Bondo. Absolutely. Instead of fixing the body panels, yep. they just sculpted right over it. Yep. Uh, and what he surmised is that probably the car had changed hands a few times. They would sand the car to do some paint, find some Bondo and say, nope, going to put some Bondo right over that. I right. ain't touching that. Yeah. yeah. And so there were like four different kinds of Bondo. Oh, in there. wow. Yeah. So, so it's like a jawbreaker. It, it, it's like an archaeological total, dig. Totally. I still have one of those pieces like hanging up on the wall. But yeah, he it, 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 this car, like it was so it, uh, when we got into it, it was in such bad shape underneath that we it, I like there were times where were I just you, uh, wanted just to give up. Fallen? Just it, 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 I mean, but I at that point I had had so much money into it that I just didn't want to like let it go, right. you know. Mm -hmm. When I bought the shape that it was in, you, you're, you're out like just a ton of money at that point. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I bought the car for 30,000. I took it to, or I had it appraised by, for insurance reasons. And the guy, the guy, the professional appraiser came out and said, I, I'd give it, you know, 40,000. I'm thinking, cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. You know, and then this whole thing snowballs and, and it's yeah. just like, <laughs> you're, you're over that. I imagine. <laughs> so we'll just say, <laughs> so he cuts, so he cuts the taillights off, starts over. We find some taillights to, to, to put in there, uh, as a sort of a starting point, uh, 54 mercury taillights. He, uh, finds a way to, he, he starts to do it. And then, you know, I didn't like how he was sort of fitting him in there. So he like basically redid from the, and this is my choice from the back of the door all the way back. Wow. He made new, new body panels on an English wheel, right? He just, yeah, he just made he from did everything from scratch. Uh, and he, he did what, what he likes to call making a round car sharp because a lot of those cars, the way they're done, they look like, kind of look like worn out bars of soap. Yeah. <laughs> like they're really like bulbous and, you know, round and whatever. But, you know, with those, those taillights that we put on there, they started to, to kind of go into the 50, like the mid fifties where there were fin cars and, yep. you know, mm -hmm. they get, it's got to be a little bit more angular. So we found a way to, to just peek in that, that little tiny, it's not a fin, but it's got a sort of a hint of it. So it kind of, kind of slims the car a little bit. And, uh, so he did that, uh, and then he got to the roof and the roof, he said it was cocked to one side and, and he was like, you know, I can the try. rear glass was like weird too. The rear glass was weird. Uh, it was a 50, a lot, so a lot of people, when they do these cars, they use for glass, uh, rear glass from 49, okay. 50, and those are the, the oval shape. Sure. The 51 was where it, it was oval on top or, you know, radius on top, and then it would come down to a point. Okay. Um, and it's, it's a lot more difficult to, to fit those into a chopped roof. 
Oh, sure. So a lot of times what you'll see when you, when you follow the body or the roof line back, you'll see a little break, uh, in the roof where the glass, where it hits the glass and then, you know, the, the glass will do its thing and then there'll be another break and it won't be a smooth transition. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to do that with that, with the other glass. So, uh, he basically said, I'm going to need to make a new roof. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you, you went with the glass that's harder, right? Or did you? Yeah. Go, yeah. Yeah. And it, because I wanted to keep it as, as much of a 51 as I could, because I like this, how obsessive I am. I like the 51 more than the 4950. Did he try to talk you out of it at all? Was he like, oh, no, no he actually said it would take more time to try and f- fix the roof the way it was. Sure. Than to just make a new one. Sure. And then at the time he, he also told me he wanted to open the glass up. He wanted to, to make the windows taller. And I'm thinking, no, that's, what's the point of that? And it's supposed to be a chop top, you know? Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, there was so much fat in that roof that it'll actually be, the profile will be lower, but the windows will be taller. And, and that takes me back to a story when we were driving down sunset, uh, my wife saw somebody that she recognized and she tried to put her head out the window and <laughs> <laughs> hit her head on the, on the, the door sill. But, um, yeah. So anyway, all of that, uh, it had fiberglass front fenders. Uh, so we got rid of those, put steel ones on he made, is that stuff that's still made those steel fenders? No, we had to find them. Okay. And, uh, for the interior, I wanted to keep, keep a, a classic feel to it. We had a guy, um, design some things, flush out some ideas. And, uh, I still wanted bucket seats with a console, but he figured out how to make it look sort of like it could have been in, in the fifties. And, sure. mm-hmm. um, I mean, I could really bore you with a lot of details, <laughs> but I think the pe- the pictures will speak a million words when I show so everybody. So is, is the car finished? <sighs> Is that's it drivable? Not, that's not that's the a right, terrible, that's not that's the a terrible right question. question. So it's at, at, at this point in time, uh, it's getting repainted. Okay. A different um, color? Same color. Okay. So which is what, what green is it? It's so like, it's a custom, it's a custom mix that we came up with. Where'd you, what were you inspired by in the color? Um, that you saw that you liked or. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm partial to like an olive green, but the, the, the car that gave me the, the idea or the inspiration was, uh, a Mercury, uh, done by a guy named Sam Barris, who is the more famous brother, George Barris's brother. Sam actually built all the cars for George. I don't, Barris. I don't recognize these names. Where these so guys? George Barris is the guy who is known for making the Batmobile. Oh, okay. The original okay. Batmobile and you know, a lot of the, like the, um, the Munster cars sure, sure. and all that. Um, and he, he also did his shop also did a lot of notable customs from back in the day. Yeah. I remember seeing a documentary about this now. So, um, Sam is a guy who bought a 49 Mercury brand new off the showroom, took it home, cut it up, <laughs> chopped the top. And his car was a forest green. And so, and you know, in order to kind of pay homage to that, sure. I, uh, I, we picked that green. So, um, we went through quite a few test panels, uh, and Max was really not happy with me, <laughs> but I had like this certain At this point, like, come on, you got to let the guy have a little leeway with the color. After you know, all he, he was all, he was on board, but underneath he was grinding his teeth, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we found this mix and it was, 
the the really interesting thing to me is that the the like the base coat for the car is like a graphite gray, and then uh, there's this it's a mix of candies that goes on top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one of them being Aztec gold, and uh, lime green. So a 50, oh, wow. 50 mix of those two makes this olive green. Cool. And the, the cool thing is that when you look at it under different lights, it casts a different color. So fluorescent, it casts a blue and then like a halogen, it'll cast the gold. Sure. But out in the sun, obviously it's one color, but, right. um, it definitely has some depth. So why are you repainting it, totally. it for all that effort with the, so, uh, it was kind of rushed for SEMA and we, we had it at SEMA at 2012 and, uh, things started to show up, you know, it started to shrink underneath. And so, you know, I, it was great to drive, but I didn't want to show it. Like, you know, people that knew that I had the car, like they were like, bring it out to a show, you know? And I'm thinking, you know, it's cool from far away, but you know, people, when they take it, when you go to a show and people are looking at your car, they, they notice those things. And, you know, I just, I I didn't feel good about showing it. So now I drove it for a little while. I put a dent in it. There I you go. feel like it's time. What, ha- you know? <laughs> what happened with the dent? Uh, that just must have been brutal. It was so embarrassing. I actually had my father-in-law in the car and I was backing it into the garage and just, just on the back, back rear corner. I just imagine you freezing and like <laughs> looking at him. <laughs> I, I heard him go, oh. <laughs> that is the right sound that is the, that is the appropriate sound yeah. so um did you do anything with the motor i was gonna it's ask different? what is the drivetrain the drivetrain it's a chevy 350 okay and i'm not trying to make it fast it's a cruiser yeah it just you know does it sound good it sounds cool yeah yeah i mean that's all that car needs to do yeah it sounds cool it's a present looks car. cool uh i did uh actually ask him to make independent rear suspension. Well, I didn't ask him to make it. I said, can we do uh, independent rear? And he goes, um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And so we, we talked about a couple options. He, and he's like his Max's specialty is suspension. So he knows everything. So, you know, he said, well, the suspension that was in there didn't look great. It was a solid axle. Well, that the suspension that you or the the subframe that you see that the the other guy did, <laughs> it's it's terrible. His work was terrible. It's and basically square tubing. Yeah, well, not only that, but Z it's frame or- it's band aid. It's like a band aid plate. Like it's welded to the the existing frame with a couple of little plates. Yeah. Sure, like just tacked on. I can't even describe it. You just have to see the picture. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but uh, it was a saw, you know, a solid rear axle, and you know, I don't like, you know, when you're in like a what is it, like a, a Ford Crown Victoria, you know, those cars, the bit, the big cars with, the, you know, you know, you know, they have a solid rear axle. It kind of wallows back and forth, sure. side to side, and I, I despise that <laughs> plus when you're slammed it's going to give you a little bit of camber which will be cool when you when you drop it down to the ground yeah so that was the thing was he, he talked about using like a corvette suspension but with airbags it would be too aggressive uh uh when you drop it down it, you know th- that corvette suspension is not made it'll look like to, a volkswagen then. yeah totally <laughs> too much so he just ended up making independent rear suspension wow. and uh 
it, it rides great. It actually like handles pretty good, like surprisingly well on, on corners. Right. Uh, well, so it's a lot lighter now without all that. Bond totally. <laughs> yeah. That's some massive weight reduction yeah. for sure. Um, so do you want to hang out with us while we get into the Absolutely. next segment? Yes, sir. Well, uh, it's kind of a fun one. Do you yeah. have uh, anything you want to do before that? Some housekeeping? Yeah. Uh, actually you would probably like this. Uh, in the month of March, we're actually running a contest on Instagram. Eyes up auto art is letting us give away a custom commission painting of your car. Cool. So they've done some really cool work for like Audi's race team. They've done Magnus Walker one, and countless others. And the guy behind the brush is Zachary Carroll. Uh, their mission is to help memorialize people's cars they no longer have celebrate ones they do or make a dream more tangible zach's unique style is kind of like exaggerated colors and mm. it's a cool pop piece um to enter post a photo of your car on instagram and tag both overcrest podcast and eyes up auto art one lucky winner will get an awesome custom painting of their car at the end of the month uh, his instagram again is eyes up auto art all right. So this uh, the next this next segment. Yeah. So a, this is a segment I've wanted to cover I've, yeah, for a while. Now. I kind of like have been typing this up as we go. Yeah. This is um, I wanted to talk about all the weird gimmicks. Yes. That they've been trying to sell on cars over the years, like mm. whether it's fuel economy or whatever. And what got me started on this is that start you bastard can of uh, <laughs> starter fluid from Australia. <laughs> yeah. And I found out that it's real. Oh, it's actually a yeah, real it's starter product. fluid called start you bastard, <laughs> which is amazing. So, I don't think they could sell that here, but they should. But we're going to get some. Kip is going to. Oh, really? He's going to get it. Send it to me. Awesome. Box. I'm like, I don't know if you can ship. Yeah. Starting well, fluid. He's like, he's like eh, we'll try it. We'll see what happens. happens. It's Australia. not expensive. Yeah. Are we going to end up on like a terrorist watch list here? Well, or? I don't know if it's. Well, maybe. Um, but, so, so we'll be getting some Yeah, there's been countless gimmicks, doodads, and basically straight up scams sold for cars over the years. Most of these, let's point out, have been on as seen on TV. Totally. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So um, do you think stuff like Marvel Mystery Oil is like a. Because yeah, like, you have like Marvel Mystery Oil and you have like Seafoam and all these right. Octane boosters and all these other things you can throw in your car. I left. That's not what we're talking. I about, left right? additives off because there are a ton of additives, like yeah. you say, and there's like Z Max 104 and mystery I, oil stuff, and Z Max 104. I was because I used I have uh, <laughs> in my 911. It's 9.8 to one compression. Right. So you and need a little I, little octane boost. If I want to run my timing where I want it. Sure. I can hear that. You know, the detonation is like a. It's, it's like, like a ping. No, it's not a ping. It's like a zzz. It's like a zzz. It's like a, it's wow. almost like a, a zapping sound. Like a tick, tick, tick. You, it's not a, it's the sound ping is not the right word. Okay. For at least not in my car. It's, I've it's, heard pinging on different engines. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's like a zipper going up and down. It's like this huh. like electrostatic sounding. It's like, you can hear it. It's the detonation. Odd. I just, yeah. Whatever. Anyways, but, but that's so like, I have to back my timing up, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put the timing back up. I'm going to put this one Oh four booster crap in there. And lo and behold, it didn't detonate anymore. But when I pulled my plugs, they are orange. <laughs> They're orange. They're orange. <laughs> and I had, and I started after running that stuff for an extended period of time, I had like a little bit of a misfire. Like it wasn't okay. running quite as Whoa. well. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to change the plugs. And they were, they were orange. Weird. Like they'd been sitting in the Titanic. And then, <laughs> I know you ran actual race fuel in it then. I do run leaded. I don't have any O2 sensors or anything. So right. my car nice. loves but race gas. Nice. The uh, tailpipes then are chalk white, which is Ooh, cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. It is yeah. kind of cool. So I do love, I do love the race fuel. That's my additive. Right. So I'll go up to the th place and put like four or five gallons of race fuel in and then like another 15 gallons 
a regular gas. I can't. My gas tank's 22 gallons. I can't put 22 gallons of no. $8. Yeah. You could, but. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah. What, is, what would that be? $170 something dollar fill up? Yeah. Oh my God. No, I cannot. What do did that. the Tahoe take? That's like Tahoe territory. Yeah. Well, Tahoe's 21 gallons or yeah, tw- maybe 24 gallons or something like so, that. So, yeah, anyway. we left additives off the list just because. As tempting as it was. Yes, exactly. So, the first one of these that came to mind for me is the tornado. Oh. So you heard of the tornado? I, I don't know. Oh, you might. Like I think we have it around here, Chris. I brought it for you somewhere. While you talk, I'll go. Find okay. It. So I was working on a friend's car a few years ago, and when checking off the air filter form, I noticed this stamped piece of sheet metal mounted before the throttle body. I do know what the you're tornado. talking about. Yes. Here's what it claims: "Quote the t- Chris. That is very loud. I'm sorry. Did you find it? I can't find it. Okay. Uh, the tornado. Oh, you have one though. Yeah." I took it out of this car and kept it. The tornado air mixes cool air from the outside with warm air from the engine through its turbine design. The naturally occurring air vortex phenomenon then starts amplifying air currents and compressing the combustion ratio of oxygen to air molecules, resulting in more power and more mileage. Yeah. So that's what they claim. Yeah. And one of the you can still buy these on Amazon, by the way. Lots all this stuff we're going to talk about. You can still buy them. Wow. So one of the Amazon Amazon one star reviews, of which there are many, (laughs) sums up the performance nicely. Quote, independent testing time and time again has shown that they not only produce no improvement, but actually hamper airflow and may (laughs) cause problems in a modern engine. Increasing turbulence will not improve airflow or combustion and these devices are typically far from the actual intake valve of course so very little of the effect yeah, would I mean, survive yeah. anyways if you got a little bit of turbulence and then like you've got like a a two foot rubber tube that's usually yeah. it's usually a corrugated in a way like yep. it's got and like, then it goes to the intake manifold well, first not the to mention, body not to mention the filter right yep this is past filter. Usually. Oh, past filter. Okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. So it's well, it very effective. on the way that okay. your car is right because is the carbureted one it actually goes above it. But anyways, it, it, bottom line, this it's guy ridiculous. claims up if they actually worked as claimed auto, auto manufacturers would use something similar. Yep. Any persons here I think that claiming goes for all of this. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Any persons here claiming great benefits are either posting on behalf of the manufacturer, yep. which he he says is more common than you think. Yeah. So there's a before we move on to the next one, there's like just a one that I saw the other day. Okay. Um, when I was, I don't know what I was looking at, like wheel paint or something like that. But there is a guy on Amazon who sells um, wheel paint masking kits. Okay. So you can paint your wheel. Okay. And it's a masking kit. So you don't have to take the tire off the wheel. Okay. And you know what it is? It's five by seven note cards. <laughs> what? You slide, you know how you can yeah. slide the, like you slide the, the, the note cards in around right. the wheel and then you paint it. Yeah. He sells it as a kit, as a paint awesome. masking kit with the five by seven note cards. They're just orange. Yeah. Uh, are they radiused at all? Or? No, it's just no, no, a no, note no, cards. no, no, no. <laughs> It doesn't do anything. No work. <laughs> no work done. Nothing. He just packaged them up. I mean, hey, people. I, I don't know if anybody's buying yeah. them or not, but that's pretty genius. That is really <laughs> funny. All right. So our next one up here are fuel line magnets. This is. Oh have yeah. Have you heard of these? Oh yeah. yeah All right. So from magnet. the description of the actual listing, here, very scientific. Yeah. Save fuel. Save money. More miles per gallon. 50% reduction of carbon monoxide and hydrocarbons. This would put Tesla Wait, out of business. This, Why bother? <laughs> <laughs> Quote, helps pass emission testing. High octane performance with lower octane fuel, Chris. Yeah. Just mount Im- these on your imagine, 911. Imagine the conspiracy of the oil companies 
and that that's keeping this technology. I know going. it must be right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> there's it, a lot of money. Here's some this additional benefits out. they list. Of oh, these. okay. Let's stops scale buildup and corrosion in your engine. Oh, reduces wear on you O2 know what else? sensor. You know what else stops corrosion in your engine. Oil. <laughs> <laughs> it, it not only does that, it reduces wear on O2 sensors and your catalytic converters. Wait, O2 sensors have wear? Yeah. How? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> doesn't make any sense know. at all. Oh, um, it's because of the reduced hydrocarbons. Yes, right. It's simple to install. No tools or cutting a fuel line required. Oh. Uh, do, would you like to hear the applications? Please. Cars, buses, oh. trucks, scooters, generators, <laughs> motorcycles, ambulances gas cylinders oh what's a gas cylinder? i don't know auto rickshaws <laughs> wow they're going deep he's, like, he's opening his market up to Singapore. Totally. Well, yeah. then we're not and done yet like, locomotives and trains what <laughs> there's no gas powered locomotives or trains they're all diesel. moving equipment or construction equipment wait are there boats in there boats are not he on missed this. it he missed a giant market and lawnmowers yeah missed lawnmowers so too. And dirt bikes motorcycles this guy's uh, oh, yeah he's slopping here but he went rickshaw <laughs> <laughs> I think that's telling to where these are manufactured. Yeah, in India yeah. or something. Uh, from Popular Mechanics, according to the people selling these devices, as gasoline flows past the magnet, the magnetic field will, quote, break apart clusters of fuel molecules, so oh. gas burns more efficiently. Okay. The problem is gasoline mo- molecules aren't magnetic. At right. All, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's more. If the fuel line is steel, as many are, the lines of magnetic flow will follow the line walls instead of passing through the fuel so it doesn't oh yeah do it'll just, anything it'll just at all the magnetic field will travel down the right it's just magnetizing your fuel line for i don't know if it collects all that stuff that's in there True. isn't that gonna block your I fuel know, line yeah, even their theory doesn't <laughs> work here uh, all right i'm gonna take another one here next up is something that i actually remember a friend telling me his dad tried oh. on their family truck and consequently blew out the alternator so Ooh. this one, this one's good. These are hydrogen generator kits. What? Hydrogen generator kits. So <laughs> this is again, so please? impressive. Wait. The company spelt generator wrong on their website. <laughs> nice. Okay. Oh, so they're so trying to I, say. I looked at that and I saw that was a typo. I'm like, yeah, wow, that's it's... not my typo. So they're trying to say it's a hydrogen <laughs> oh. generator. It's a hydrogen generator. Oh. So, quote, when you compare gas saving products on the market, a hydrogen car kit is the simplest way to increase miles per gallon. The electrolysis of water is so efficient and economical, Hmm. it costs less than a penny a mile to, quote, crack the water molecule into hydrogen. Crack. That's a good one. Right. So here's the problem. This is actually a chemical process. You can, you know, use hydrolysis to take water and basically break it out into hydrogen and oxygen. But it takes way more electricity yep. to distill the hydrogen gas from water yep. than any gains from the hydrogen gas will return. In fact, as evidence from my childhood friend's naive father, some of these systems draw so much current, they simply overdraw your alternator. And then the oh. car doesn't run. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why you had to pull over. Maybe. It's a hidden hydrogen generator. Yeah. On the car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Um, you so have the next one here. The uh, electronic rust prevention. Now, when you go to the junkyard, there's all kinds of like rust prevention things. Do you remember Rusty, um, Rusty Jones? You've you brought ever? this up before yes. and I have not seen it. Rusty Jones, there's like a picture of a redheaded dude with a red mustache <laughs> on the car, on the window. And it says, this car protected by Rusty Jones. Right. And you open the door and you look and you see like all these holes drilled in the chassis with little plastic plugs. They basically, they cut a hole 
or drill a hole in the chassis, put a thing on there and then fill the car up with like Cosmoline <laughs> is what is what they do. Right. But what which, they're actually I mean, doing is breaking the integrity of the paint. Yes. Which just makes it rust even yeah, more. You're so any car an that says Rusty Jones at the junk card is is a rusty car. Yes. Not just Rusty Jones. But there was other things that people tried. Okay. As well. Um, they did electronic rust prevention. Um, in very simple terms, the principle these devices claim to work on is that they emit a low frequency electrical <laughs> charge, which in turn uh -huh. is supposed to repel or prevent rust from starting and spreading. Even if correctly installed in an, on an automobile, though, with one electrode to fix the steel contacts at the foremost part of the vehicle and one at the rearmost part of the vehicle, the protection is minimal, as many parts of the vehicle are isolated with rubber bushings, yeah. paint, and primer, which insulate metal parts from electrical current. Um, so it does not work at all. Right. And there's people that would like, they'd come back and be like, hey, my car is rusty. You guys put this on. This was like something that you would buy. And you walk into the finance manager's office, you sit down uh, to buy oh, your a car. dealer option. Yeah. And they'd be like, do you want this paint protection? Do you want gap coverage? Would you like electronic or rust prevention? <laughs> and then people would come back and be like, hey, my my Toyota 4Runner is rusting out. Yeah. And they're like, well, you didn't wash it correctly oh, or, sure. or this wire became disconnected yeah. or whatever, because it was supposed to guarantee that your car would never, ever rust and there's no fighting entropy and the laws of thermodynamics <laughs> everything turns to shit even if you run an electrical current through it you know what i just thought of before we get to the next one is when you bought that yugo it was protected by ming ming the, the ming. ming and that's the, the now they do the it's the ceramic coating, the right. Ming ceramic coating. And I remember being like, sorry, Ming. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty oxidized. It was pretty it was oxidized. supposed to be a Ming ceramic coating. What was crazy is that ceramic coating existed back in the 80s. Right. And That's so now it's insane. another resurgence as another marketing thing, basically. Yep. And it's here to stay. I mean, I know it's effective, but yeah, it is interesting yeah, that for it's $4,000. It's effective. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, this next one, I actually saw at Menards this last week on their as seen on TV end cap. Nice. The Bell and Howell tack visor. It sounds like a perk you get in a video game. This yellow tinted square <laughs> piece of plastic is meant to be clipped on your windshield and quote features military inspired glare blocking technology and enhancement of colors. Can't you just wear yellow sunglasses? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. basically it functions the same as a pair of polarized sunglasses, but it's functionally limited to wherever you place and it how on your sun big visor. Is this thing? It's this big. Yeah. It's so like what, down. 14 inches by oh. eight or so. So it folds so, off your. the Right. Okay. <laughs> so in other words, you should just wear sunglasses <laughs> yeah. and get the exact same effect. Uh, the majority of reviews on Amazon are one star citing cheap construction, the lens film bubbling or peeling after only a few days of use <laughs> and the hinges deteriorate. Uh, it's also pretty hilarious. They have a TV advertisement, of course, because it's course. as seen yeah. on TV and quote, you will get vision as sharp as an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> and then they show the eagle soaring. Of course. Naturally. I mean, yeah, naturally. Yeah. I just like I imagine it working for like five minutes and then the first time you touch it to put it away, yeah. it just explodes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's full of fingerprints. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you've true. got your microfiber. And you're trying to clean it off and then it's micro scratches all over yep. it. It's like deteriorating to nothing yep. immediately. I just love if you can check out it's on YouTube. If you check out that ad, it's it's worth a laugh. Oh, for sure. Um, so have you heard of anti-static strips? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so these are rubber strips with uh, conductive metal inserts that dangle from the back of a car and they're supposed to 
to touch the ground on the asphalt. Um, right. Anti-static straps have been on an object of mystery for decades. The idea is that by grounding the vehicle, they reduce buildup of static electricity caused by air molecules moving against its body, which can allegedly result in small electric shocks when opening the doors. <laughs> you know, I always thought those electric shots were because I'm wearing jeans and I've got a cloth interior. That probably does more than just the static. I, the I would think so. Um, while the first two, uh, it's small electric shocks when opening the doors, dust accumulation on the bodywork, and motion sickness oh. to those within. A lot of the ads... <laughs> A lot of the reviews Static obviously causes motion sickness. Huh. <laughs> a lot of the reviews are like, my dog is so much happier riding in the car. And I'm just like, come on. Guy. And it's the same review on like multiple sites. Like the guy's like, oh, man, just I don't have my tell enough of these things. Oh, for sure. I got to make it make people. People love their pets. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. they want everything. Um, while the first two are debatable, the, uh, the touching the door handles and stuff like that. The third is downright baseless. In fact, the most likely effect is strangers yelling, hey, there's something hanging on underneath your car. <laughs> no kidding. So that one most certainly does uh, not This work. next one we don't have much to say about. It's pretty self-explanatory. Trailer hitch safes. What? So this <laughs> is you have your receiver hitch receptacle, right? For your okay. square part where the yes. yeah. So okay. you can buy a miniature safe that goes in there to keep credit cards, cash, wallets, bad decisions. That is and a perfect place for that kind of stuff. He is here's right. The, here's I the mean, here's the thing that people are saying. They're like, yeah, I can put my wallet and my keys and everything in there. I'll never lose anything when I go out on the boat. And then I'm like, wait. How are you going to have this it's in a your trailer hitch? It's a combination Oh, you can lock. still have... No, but if you're... Okay. If you're going out on your boat, that means you trailered your boat to the lake. Yeah, so you have to remove your trailer. You have to remove your trailer receiver hitch and then put, and put safe your in, safe in. And then there's a combination lock When in you it. could just put it in your glove box. You could. But you're also locking your... But you got to have your keys. So the thought is, is that you put your keys for your truck also in the safe. Sure. And so then everything you have is in like a one inch by two inch cube that goes into the trailer hitch. That doesn't seem like there's. I can't imagine there. they sell many I of these. Imagine the guy that was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> trailer hitch safes. Yes, absolutely. And there are a lot of reviews for this. Really? People are so buying they these. Do sell they do sell a ton of trailer hitch safes. I suppose like the one good thing is if you need to have someone use your car, you could put the keys in this and just tell them the combination. Or you could buy the $1 magnetic little box and yeah. put just your hide key it somewhere. Yeah, rather than showing the thief that there's something valuable in right. this little safe that I'm sure you could break open with a hammer. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I don't think so. I don't think you're breaking any of this open with a hammer. It's steel. Should we buy one and see if I can break into it? Yes, let's do it. Let's okay. actually do I like see that if idea. Can, <laughs> see if we can break into it. I like it. Um, the next one is. Not really a gimmick, but I think it's worth mentioning. And you guys can tell me. These are $45. These. I don't know if I want to buy this just for a laugh. Come on. You just got to raise at work. <laughs> <laughs> buy one of these. All right. More expensive is the hammer you're going to ruin trying to break True. into the room. All right. This next one you need, Jerry. Okay. This this is right up the hot rod. Okay. So when you go to hot rod shows yeah. and old uh, domestic car shows like back to the 50s and stuff like this, you see these things everywhere. And you've probably seen it is the timeout doll. It's the little doll that's leaning with its head against the bumper like yes. it's in timeout. And yeah. it's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah. People dress them up. Yes. I don't understand. I think like, it's part of it is the demographic that a lot of times are at these hot rod shows yep. are older. Yeah. So, so that means old people are like creepy dolls. Yes, they do. <laughs> I, I, I think, well, I, more of what I see is like where they'll put them like they're like they've shut their head in the trunk or something. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. And 
I, I just, I don't know if they, if they're like, it's kind of an innocence. Oh, that's funny. Or if they, if it's, I don't know, get it. I, they're creepy yeah. as hell. They're always crying or in timeout, yeah. leaning on the car or have their head shut in the thing. Um, usually they have like matching outfits that go with the car. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. and uh, for a while the dolls were, I guess were a rage in the quilting and crafting community. So here's my thought. Okay. It's something for the bride of the guy that owns exactly. the car to do yeah. to participate okay. in the thing. But it is still creepy kid taxidermy <laughs> and it needs to stop. Kid taxidermy. <laughs> it I like gross. it. Yes. So bottom line is don't waste your money on any of this stuff. And hey, if there's other ones, I'd love to hear you guys. If you know of any other ones, I'm sure we missed a few. Absolutely. Uh, send them in to us. Um, Jerry, I want to thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure to have you. I, I'm glad you spent your birthday with us and I'm glad you didn't get crushed by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a real big bonus um, we will be back next week uh, to talk to you guys and by that time um, actually no it's going to be like a week and a half so I won't be able to talk about my car for a while so well, I, I'm sure you'll be able to follow it'll be sold by then yeah right you'll be able to follow my story on the way back from California or you probably already did since this comes out in a week but uh, yeah we'll we'll talk to everybody next time and uh, again thanks for coming on and, and yeah enjoy the rest of your tour man yeah thank you yeah take care bye guys